0: dot com slash google teacher pod you can search the archive and check out the show notes for each and every episode of the google teacher podcast thank you for your continued support and may the googles be with you welcome to the google teacher tribe podcast Your source for the latest news on Google for education, tips, tricks, and teaching ideas you can use in class tomorrow. And here are your hosts, Matt Miller from DitchThatTextbook.com and Casey Bell from ShakeUpLearning.com.
1: Tribe, so Matt and I have been having a little too much fun with all of our various AI devices, <laughs> and uh, we decided it'd be fun uh, since in the last episode we we did a little bit of an OK Google uh story the turkey story so this time we're gonna we're gonna break into some christmas uh options with our our devices so we've we've got a little bit of a competition going here between alexa and the google assistant and and we're gonna see how they compare (laughs)
0: quit bugging in alexa
1: casey's not done yet Shut up, Alexa. I'm already annoyed with Alexa. <laughs> okay. So first we're going to have them play a Christmas song. So, so Matt, uh, you go first.
2: All right. Here we go. Sing me a Christmas song.
0: I would love to. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way.
2: That
0: was pretty weird.
1: <laughs> okay. Alexa? Sing me a Christmas song. Up
0: on the housetop, reindeer paws. Out oh, wow. Jumps, good old Santa Claus. Down through Alexa, the chimney with lots.
2: That was pretty <laughs> impressive. I think Alexa wins. She gets the first point on, uh, on the Christmas <laughs> challenge here.
1: She, she's actually singing, which is, I didn't, I didn't even know that it was the same voice. I didn't know I could do that either. So I just learned something new. Okay. Let's, let's move on. So we're going to have a little fun. You can always ask these devices to tell you a joke. And the kids, of course, love to ask the the devices to tell you a joke. So let's see, let's see what the Google assistant has up their sleeve today.
2: Yeah. So they've got a feature called tell me a Santa joke. So let's try that one. Tell me a Santa joke.
1: Looks like you've been nice, because here comes Santa.
0: What do you get if I go down a chimney while the fire's still lit? Crisp Kringle! Oh,
1: ho, ho. oh my! I'll laugh about it now, anyway.
2: i've got to say we've heard three or four of these santa jokes and they've all been really lame and surprisingly (laughs) that's the best one that we've heard
1: actually i don't think i've even tested this with alexa i don't know if she can tell me a christmas joke or the correct trigger so we'll find out alexa tell me a christmas joke what do
0: you call a kid who doesn't believe in santa a rebel without a clause. <laughs> wow, that's pretty good. Oh, man. I
2: think Alexa's giving Google Assistant a run for its money today.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think it depends on what what kind of random information you want. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, yeah, she's performing well today, so we'll, we'll yeah, give her some yeah. kudos. So Very good. <laughs>
2: All right. So what are we going to unwrap in this episode of the Google Teacher Tribe today?
1: So we are going to dig into some of the mobile learning apps, right? You know, we've we talked about all kinds of stuff on the tribe so far and we have really never explored sort of the mobile versus desktop version of certain things and I think there's some important things to talk about and some features that you may or may not know about. So so we're going to dig into those today. Yeah,
2: what else? and <laughs> well, <laughs> what else? Let me tell you what else.
1: <laughs> smooth transition. I know we are so
2: smooth today. Yeah, this is this is great. So, we've got uh, some some good feedback from our listeners as we usually do, including some things that they're doing and some questions that they've got. And of course, we've got some blog posts to share with you guys. All right, Casey, are you ready to go go go?
1: <laughs> Let's go.
2: When you talk about mobile devices and cell phones with teachers, a lot of times you get pretty mixed reactions depending on who you're talking to. And I know that a lot of times topics could include some of those shoe holders that people have over their, their doors where kids are supposed to insert their cell phones on their way in and texting and being inattentive during class, all the way up to the cool things that they can students can do in class with their apps, and with the, you know, the different creativity tools that you can use with your phones. And so it really sort of runs the gamut. But the truth is, with those mobile devices, is that a lot of times cell phones have so much power now. And they're so fast, and they're so accessible, that there's a lot that we can do. I mean, I've heard people call them supercomputers in our pockets. And so there's really some potential there, whether it's untapped or not. And so often it seems like we don't think about this high-powered technology that so many kids bring to school with them every day, but it can really be leveraged for a tool for good learning, right?
1: Absolutely. And, you know, I think I think we've got a wide variety of things going on in the classrooms. It sort of depends, you know, the different schools that I get to visit. You know, we've got schools that have gone one to one with things like iPads even recently. <laughs> and the the thing that, you know, just a few years ago one of the number one topics I was asked to present on was using Google on the iPad because it was not so friendly. And we have come a long way in terms of using Google on mobile devices across the board. Um, Of course, we also have lots of schools with BYOD programs and things like that. But I still see a lot of signs, you know, no cell phones. It's got to be in the locker, locked up, powered off all of those things. And yes, definitely understand that um, these devices can be big distractions. They can get off task and they're inappropriate uses. But we also have to keep in mind that modeling these devices for learning is also going to empower these students. Distractions in the classroom, that's nothing new. We just have a different type of distraction. And so sometimes um, we have to rethink our management and, and how we can make the most of this. But I have seen it done so well. And like like you said, Matt, this is sort of an untapped resource. If you really aren't making use of, of the mobile devices at your disposal, it can definitely bring a lot to the learning in your classroom. So, you know, I think it's it's important also to keep in mind that this can give students more ownership of their learning. If they own it, it's in their hand, it's in their pocket that that there's some things that we can do and there's also some tips that that we wanted to share just just in terms of mobile learning in general. But no matter what device you have, You know, you always want to think about what it is that you're trying to achieve. And if that device is not going to help you achieve it, then you start somewhere else. You know, that's that's the bottom line. It's not just to use the device because they have them. You know, even if you're BYOD sending out a survey at the beginning of the year or maybe since we're sort of in that transition period and you want to start next semester uh, to, to find out what What devices kids have access to, not just in the classroom, but even at home, because there are some things that they may be able to work on on their own time as well. I always tell people don't be afraid to let your students teach you because guess what every time I sit down with a kid they're going to show me some new c- cool mobile app that I have never seen before. I love my niece and nephew because they're always showing me cool stuff. And you know, I think that that all of these things are really important and as far as introducing this if you've never done it before, just being very clear about the expectations. You know that this is how we're going to use it. This is what I expect. These are the rules so to speak. So that you can be very um, open and have an open dialogue when when kids get off task and how you're going to address that. Several of
2: those points that you just made are so important. You know, um, when you said have it taking a survey to figure out what's out there. You know, sometimes I hear teachers say, "Well, I don't know how many devices we have, and we won't be able to get totally one to one." Well, let's find out. You know, let's let's actually ask that question and see what we have available. And the other thing that I think is huge is you said, uh, you know, think about what you're trying to achieve. What are the goals? And sometimes having those mobile devices, sometimes those actually let you achieve your goals better than if you're trying to go desktop or laptop or Chromebook. Because if you think about it, You know, sometimes these mobile devices, their camera features, you know, being able to shoot pictures and take video, it's so handy and it's so easy to just pull out of your pocket and to shoot. And they're really made for that so much more than a laptop or a Chromebook. Even with some of the Chromebooks these days, you can flip them around to look like tablets and they've even got rotating cameras where you can turn it from, you know, selfie mode facing forward to facing backward. And even, but even when you do that, if you try to shoot video with a Chromebook, it's still pretty clunky. And it's just not made for that the way that a mobile device is. And then with some of the apps that that you've got, of course, those are more optimized for doing some of the things that we want to do in the classroom too. So, you know, sometimes the mobile device really is the best choice for the task. And I think you've really got to take it back to that task and go, what is best for the task, but also what's best for the kids too. You know, I hear people say, oh, well, kids wouldn't want to do X, Y, and Z on their phones because they wouldn't want to type all of that stuff in, which makes me go, you know what? I've seen some kids do a lot of stuff with their thumbs on those little bitty keyboards. And for us as adults, that would totally, totally drive us crazy, but that's what they're used to. And that's what they're comfortable with. Even if you're not giving them a research paper to write with their thumbs on a mobile device. But if there's something else that they might want to do on their phones, because that's their, that's their like zone of genius, their zone of comfort where they get their, their best work done, then we got to give them that option, I think.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, I think it's really important that we keep in mind that oftentimes our mindset around mobile use is not the same as the kids who are growing up with these in their hands. Like you said, I've seen kids type an entire paper on a phone, right? uh, you yeah. know, it was, yeah, no way. I, I, that is not my preference, but you know, if I had to do it, I could do it. But, you know, I think there's a lot of things to consider. Like you said, obviously photo and video can have a, a, a completely different uh, role in the classroom when we have a mobile device. But then we also have to come back and talk about the G Suite tools because they can look different on different devices, right? You know, so we've got uh, different versions on mobile. We've got different versions on desktop, laptop, and Chromebook, the web version. And, you know, we have some, some apps like Google Sites that we don't actually have an app for on mobile. However, you know, we can make some things occasionally work, but, um, you know, so we're, we're still sort of... Fighting That battle of, you know, what works better here and what works better there. And I think Google is trying to bridge that gap. And, you know, one of the things that we've talked about in previous episodes is that the newer Chromebooks are actually going to be able to run Android apps. And so we're going to sort of begin to bridge that divide with some of these flip Chromebooks and the ability to run any kind of app that you want, whether it's mobile or, or the desktop version. So, so I think there, there's a lot coming, but there's also some really cool things that I want, want you to know about that are only available in mobile versions of these apps. And I think Google Classroom is a great place to start. You know, there's a lot that we can do in the mobile app, and I'm sure many of you do. You get your notifications and you you bring things into your classroom. You can set up classes. You know, you can do a lot of the things in Google Classroom, but something you may not know, I feel like sort of a lesser known feature because didn't get a giant announcement, is that you can actually annotate and draw on top of Google Docs or PDFs on a mobile device inside Google Classroom. So when you open up that assignment, whether you're the teacher or the student. So as a teacher, you could leave feedback as an annotation, but as a student, I can demonstrate my learning in a different way. I might be drawing or um, creating this, labeling the cells of uh, atom and labeling the parts uh, of that. They could be um, annotating on top of text. I know as a language arts teacher, that's a skill that we're constantly trying to do. So the ability to annotate and draw is built into the mobile app. However, it does not work on the desktop yet. And it's like a little paint board. You get uh, highlighters, pens, you know, different sizes, and and you can use that right there on the device and then turn it in. So, So that's a really handy feature inside Google Classroom.
2: Yeah, yeah, which is which is huge and like you said a lot of times it's overlooked. And another big part about Google Classroom is the ability to communicate with students through private comments too. So if you have the Google Classroom app and You want to send a quick message to a student or a student sends a message to you. What's great is that Google Classroom will give you a little push notification. You know, those little um, flags that are banners or whatever that pop down from the top of your phone. And you can, I mean, just within that, you can either tap on it or you can pull it down and hit a reply just depending on what what kind of phone you have. Um, And you're able to respond back to them instantly, which is something where if you waited until you were back on your uh, laptop computer or your Chromebook or whatever, that it's going to take so long. But that's something where you can see it in a moment and within a few seconds, give students a response and then it's back to them. You know, I I've always thought that with that, that could save hours or sometimes days of work. Maybe not of work so much, but of uh, waiting. Because without this ability, if a student is working on something and they struggle, and then they have to wait until the next day to get an answer, now we've wasted all that time, or it's taken us that much longer. But if we have the Google Classroom app and we're able to respond to that in an instant, now they can get right back to work.
1: Yes, they, that is definitely a great feature. And those notifications, I think, I think all of us probably have a love hate relationship with notifications. They're great and they can, you know, fill up your inbox or the screen on your phone. But uh, being able to give that instant feedback, especially when a student is, you know, in the middle of working on something that can be very powerful. Now, another application that we've talked about quite a bit on the Google Teacher Tribe is Google Keep. And there is a a special feature that only works on mobile and it's a pretty powerful feature and that's the ability to leave voice notes. And uh, so, so do you use the voice notes feature? I don't know if I
2: totally knew about this. Keep going.
1: Okay. So in the mobile app, if you go to Google Keep and you try to open a a new note down, I believe it's down near the bottom, you'll see a little microphone. I think I just heard a microphone. Yep. I just tried it. You you can (laughs) dictate right there into Google Keep. So um, that, of course, that helps. Any kind of student. One, we all talk faster than we type. And two, of course, the little ones who can't even spell yet could still be able to dictate something into Google Keep. And they could also use this, you know, just to take notes on the go. It's super handy. And so this is something that you can do on Android and on iOS.
2: Yeah. And with Google Keep, the other thing that's nice is you have a lot of those same annotation features, which you can use on the desktop also. But of course, on a mobile device, it's so much easier to annotate with your finger. So if you get a picture or just a blank screen and you want to draw something, you draw it with your finger and then save it as a note. Then that's, that's a hundred times easier, I think, anyway, than trying to use the touchpad on your, on your computer and all of that. And Google Keep is one of those things where I'm just constantly going back and forth, back and forth between my cell phone and my desktop because I'll pull things up on my, well, not desktop, I guess it's a laptop, but I'll pull things up on my laptop and I'll take a look at them. But when I'm out and about, if I have an idea pop into my head, that's where I'll use my cell phone and I'll put a little note in there and then stick a label on it so that I'm able to find it a little easier later. So that's one of those, that's another one of those where the mobile and the you know, laptop, Chromebook, whatever, um, are able to work very well hand in hand.
1: Yes. And, you know, I think that's true for a lot of apps. I, you know, I'm, I'm like you. Of course, my phone is probably the device I use more than anything. But even while I'm sitting on my computer, sometimes I'll pick up my phone to do something just because it's easier to do it on the phone. And, you know, so some of these applications, I think you will find there are certain tasks that are easier on mobile. Now, um, the next one, I know you are a big fan of, Matt. Uh, Google Translate has a special feature that only works on a device that has a camera.
2: Yeah. So as a world languages teacher, I have had a love-hate relationship with Google Translate my entire career. And I, I have to admit that Google Translate is getting much, 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 much better. Uh, it is worlds better than it was back when I was in, in class. And um, uh, most recently, when, um, when I would have students that would, you know, copy uh, stuff in English and then paste it into Google Translate and then try to stick that into their assignments Which, of course, always made me go, hmm, either this word is weird, like someone would say, I am a fan of this team, and it would pull up the word for like a ceiling fan. (laughs) And so you would get something like that, or it would be way too perfect. And you go, I don't think you know how to do this, because we don't get to this until Spanish three, and you're just in Spanish one. So where did this come from? (laughs) So, but, but Google Translate has gotten much better, and even if we're looking at it outside of the classroom, if you're wanting to use it beyond the, um, you know, beyond the classroom in the real world, there's this really neat feature that the Google Translate app has that the web version does not, and that's to translate with the camera. There used to be this app called WordLens. Way back when um, Google acquired Wordlens and wrapped it into its translate app. And basically, what happens is you're able to point your camera at some text and it will translate that text right on the screen and make it look like that text on your camera is actually switched into the different language now the the translations are still a little bit shaky, but it's it's enough for you to you know, basically be able to get by if you need to, like in another country or something. And then uh, in addition to that, since we're talking about mobile and we're talking about translate, I know um, I I don't have a ton of details on this, but I know there's been talk about the new pixel buds, which are the new earbuds that um, Google is coming out with and the ability to live translate in your ear which is yet another thing that you can do with mobile translation wise that you can't do with your desktop. So that one is probably down the road a little bit, but I thought it was worth
1: mentioning also. That'd be super cool just to have like a translator right there in your ear. So um, yes, actually I was having a conversation, a friend of mine that lives in Germany and he's learning German right now. And, and I told him about this app. I was like, do you ever use it? And he's like, no, not really. It's like, well, you should put it on your phone because you can, you can use your camera and it will read whatever you put in front of your camera and translate it for you. And and so he told me today that he'd been, he had been doing that to read his mail. (laughs) So he was, he was a little bit lost. He's still learning German. And uh, so it was very handy. So of course, you know, we can use this in multiple ways and I don't speak any other languages, so I need all the help I can get. So Google Translate is, is, great to have on the fly. Yes. Now, the the next application I want to mention is Google Calendar. So I think the mobile version of Google Calendar, first of all, is pretty slick. And, you know, we're, we're supposed to be getting this update to the web version. Mine hasn't updated yet. Has yours, Matt?
2: Uh, no, mine mine hasn't, I don't think.
1: Yeah, no, it's still like, you know, we announced this not too long ago, and I still don't have that newer version. I'm hoping that it's going to take on this new design, which we're getting used to with Google and um, that we see in the mobile app. But there's this really cool feature that's in the mobile app that you can't use on the desktop, and it's called goal setting. And so when you're on the mobile device and you click on your plus sign, you know, to go add an event, you can also do it to um, to add a, a goal to your calendar. And so once you do that, it will magically find time in your calendar and and help you achieve that goal. So it will automatically add things to your calendar for you. Yeah, you just click on goal and it will let you choose from things like exercise. Of course, we're getting to that time of year where everybody's setting exercise goals. But it has this part called build a skill, which I think is super cool for students. So learn a language, learn to code, practice an instrument, make art or do your custom. And so you can fit that in your calendar time to learn how to code. And it will it, it will find that time in your calendar. And I think that's great, you know, especially helping kids who are trying to learn time management and maybe setting their own goals. I think that's a really cool feature.
2: Yeah. And you know, another thing that is made so much easier mobile wise with the calendar is the ability to set your, what is it, your calendar events. If you need to add something to your calendar, of course you bring it up and you use that little microphone to do voice typing. Now you can, on a lot of things on the desktop, on your, um, you know, through the Google Chrome on your Chromebook or whatever, you can do voice typing on some of that stuff. But I know through your mobile devices, it's like right there. And so I know it's easier for me, I'm still kind of trying to transition over to this, but it's easier for me to set a calendar notification by speaking it to my mobile device, and it is going on my app. So yet another another way that um, mobile makes things a little bit easier on us.
1: Yes, and another way that we are just talking to our stuff all the time, yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's right. So, That's right. Um, But I, I did want to mention, too, there are some Google-created applications that are only available on mobile that I think are pretty important. So I just wanted to mention these. And, of course, we've got links to everything in the show notes at GoogleTeacherTribe.com slash 32. And there will be links to both the Google Play Store and to um, the iOS App Store, so you can go grab these apps if you haven't haven't tried them yet. So the first one is pretty huge; it's YouTube Kids, and so I, I wish they really offered this on the desktop as well. But you can get a kid friendly version of YouTube on your mobile devices, and it's it's much more visually driven. If you've ever seen a little one, you know, searching YouTube, <laughs> your heart kind of stops for a moment, right? Like well, mean, yes. There's, there's so much that, that they can get into that's not appropriate for them. And, you know, it's not really driven um, visually to help kids navigate. And so that's what YouTube Kids is designed for. And and so I I link back to the main site, but you can find out more about it. You can set up profiles as a parent. You can actually um, block certain things, set time limits and things like that. So it is pretty handy. And of course, I think it has great applications for the the classroom and especially, um, you know, with elementary kids. And uh, so so be sure that you go check out YouTube Kids. A couple of other ones, uh, obviously, anything that we're talking about that has to do with virtual reality is, is going to be on, on mobile and a, more specifically on a phone that you want to put into um, some sort of Google Cardboard or device. But along with that is is not just Google Expeditions and, um, and Cardboard, but the Cardboard camera. So if you didn't know this, Google actually makes a special camera where you can create things for virtual reality. So instead of just consuming, we can get kids creating with the cardboard camera. And of course, that is available on both Android and iOS as well.
2: Yeah, and then there's there's some other neat ones that are out there too. Just real briefly, um, I love the potential of the science journal where we're able to, you know, tap into and use some of the sensors within our phone to be able to gather data. And um, then you've also got Toontastic 3D where kids are able to create these really cool kind of like 3D cartoons almost um, just within their, the app. So, I mean, you can kind of go on and on and on here. So, of course, we've got links to all of the stuff that we've been talking about in our show notes, as well as a couple of other blog posts that'll let you learn more. So if you weren't thinking about using those mobile devices, either for you as a teacher or with your students Hopefully this has given you some more stuff to think about. So feel free to check out those show notes at GoogleTeacherTribe.com slash 32.
1: And be sure and share your tips with us too. We would love to learn what's working for you in the classroom in terms of using mobile devices.
2: The Google Teacher Tribe podcast is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. The Education Podcast Network, podcasts for educators, podcasts by educators, For more great education podcasts, go to edupodcastnetwork.com. So coming into the feedback and questions and different things from the tribe, I want to start out with a blog post that I found from someone in the tribe. This is from Josh Howard, who is from Missouri. Someone who actually I just got to see within the last month or two. And he has this awesome blog post that he shared with the tribe. And it's called Baby's First Video Editor, Google Slides. Because you probably don't really think about using Google Slides as a video editor. But there are lots of really cool things that you can do with it um so he he shares some of the neat things you can do with video within google slides for instance he says that you can of course embed videos directly in from your google drive you can crop down your videos uh, to i guess maybe not crop but clip them uh, to make them shorter and then one thing that he talks about that i never ever ever would have thought of is that he puts two videos onto one slide and he has them start at the same time. And one of them is a video with music on it. And another one is a video with somebody talking. And so by playing those two videos at the same time, as soon as the slide turns on, it's almost like putting a, putting a music background in with a video, but you don't have to do any video editing because you're only doing it in Google slides. So if you're looking for some of these genius things that you can do with video within Google Slides so that students don't have to get into like technical video editing or anything like that, he's got some really, really cool ideas.
1: Those are some some really creative ideas. Of course, we've had many mentions of how to use Google Slides and, and all of these alternative ways that you, you didn't think of before. But, you know, kudos to Joshua Howard, uh, one, because that's such a great title that it grabbed our attention. That baby's first video editor was really, right. really great image that he used to grab attention with that, too.
2: The next one that we want to touch on, this is a um, message that was left by Nathan DeGroat from Hanford, California, and he had a question for us regarding expeditions. So, Nathan, go ahead and take it away.
1: Hi, Matt and Casey. This is Nathan DeGroote from Hanford, California. I have a question about Google Expeditions. I saw on one of Casey's blog posts that she was using it on her Chromebook as an Android app. I tried this and I wasn't able to lead an expedition with my students on their Chromebooks with the Android app. I'm wondering if you know any timeline as to when Google's going to make expeditions work really well on Chromebooks that support Android. I think it's a great tool and maybe you have some uh, different ways that I could use it in my classroom. Thanks. Okay, Nathan. So I don't have a simple answer for you here, but, you know, we do have the ability now, of course, to run Android apps on certain Chromebooks. They have to be these newer Chromebooks that are, that have this ability and you have to actually enable this on the Chromebook devices themselves. But it, I, I'm not quite sure I understand where you're hitting the issue. So I'm not sure if you had trouble with launching it, having students join the expedition. Um, so, so part of that is just another question back to you. I, I know it is still sort of in this testing phase with running Android apps on Chromebooks. And I expect it to improve, but I I do not have a timeline for that. However, I I do think you will see some updates coming to, to expeditions very soon.
2: Uh, So that covers that one. We did have a little bit of a shout out. This is from Tama Trotty from Atlanta, Georgia. And Tama is a, I think we could say a bona fide member of the Google Teacher Tribe. We see her on Twitter on a pretty regular basis. And uh, she said, thank you very much for the information on both the CS first and the made with code sites. And of course, this goes back to our recent episode where we were talking about coding and some of the resources that are out there because the hour of code is right around the corner. And she said, I had no idea either one of them existed till I listened to your podcasts. Your tribe listens to you and follows your advice. And then she says, I want to start a girls who code club and these will be very helpful. And doesn't that sound amazing? Isn't that great?
1: Yes, I love it. I love that they're taking the ideas and immediately taking action. Uh, that's, that's exactly what we would hope for. So thank you so much, Tama, for your, your kind words and um, good luck with your, your new endeavors. And of course, if we can help in any way, please let us know. Okay tribe. So Matt and I have a couple of really cool blog posts that we want to share with you. And and the first one that I have is from Jen Giffen. And she was an, a guest on episode 10 of the Google Teacher Tribe. So you should definitely go back and check that one out. She's got some great ideas, but she has started a blog series where she is basically running through the alphabet. And so so the last one that caught my attention was K is for Keep in terms of using Google Keep and she just has a great short little rundown of all of the fabulous features of Google Keep and why you should use it. So uh, shout out to that post in particular, but loving the series, Jen. Can't wait to see what you come up with for Z. <laughs> so so check that out in our show notes at googleteachertribe.com slash 32.
2: Yeah, and the one that I wanted to share comes from a tool. My, my connection on this to Google is that this is a tool that integrates with, uh, with Google Classroom, and that happens to be Flipgrid. And Flipgrid's got this really neat thing called the Explorer Series. And the Explorer Series, what it does is it gets just really fascinating people in different walks of life that are willing to interact with students through Flipgrid videos And so they've had, you know, they've had, I think, archaeologists before and I mean, just a variety of different people. And now they have web developers. And so now kids are going to get to talk about coding directly face to face with web developers through videos on Flipgrid. So if you haven't checked this out, you can go to the the link, of course, is in our show notes. But you can also go to the Flipgrid blog You can go to blog.flipgrid.com slash news slash code. I should have just said go look at the link. (laughs) That's okay. Uh, Anyway, but you can go there and it talks about who these people are going to be and the kinds of questions that they're going to be answering. If coding happens to be something that you and your students are working with right now, then uh, this might be a neat way to get them interacting with some real live experts on the topic.
1: What a fabulous opportunity, I mean, to be able to work, uh, you know, face to face and ask questions of real developers and, and to learn that with the experts. So, you know, I love that we have this flat world where we can access almost anything that we want and we can bring these resources into our classroom. So that's a great resource. Thanks for sharing that, Matt.
2: So that brings another episode of the Google Teacher Tribe to a close. And maybe you've got some new ideas for getting those mobile devices, those cell phones, out of the pockets of your students and yourself in ways that you can bring it into the classroom. So I'm looking forward to that and to hearing some more Santa jokes and some more Alexa <laughs> singing. I don't know. Maybe I'm not really all that excited about that. <laughs> And now Casey's just giggling. <laughs>
1: I don't know what to say to that.
2: All right. Well, in that case, let's just (laughs) land this plane, shall we? All right, folks, we will see you on the next episode of the Google Teacher Drive podcast.
1: Bye, y'all.
0: Podcast listeners, my name is Chris Nessie, and I'm the host of the House of EdTech Podcast. The House of EdTech explores how technology is changing the way teachers teach and the impact that technology is having in education. My objectives include discussing technology that is changing our classrooms and schools and sharing information that you can hear about today and use tomorrow. I do this by talking with teachers, leaders, and creators just like you and having them share their stories. Why? because whether you use it or not, technology is changing the way we teach and how our students learn. So I'd love it if you came over to chrisnessy.com and checked out the House of Ed Tech because using technology isn't difficult. Just give it a try.